Hey everyone, welcome to The Book Pile, a podcast about the best of books and the worst of books. Merry Christmas. And if you're hearing it later, then I'll just say, hey, doesn't it seem like Christmas is coming fast this year? Sort of an evergreen statement that applies to about eight months out of each year. Anyway, today's episode is a reissue of an episode that Dave and I did last year, 2022, on A Christmas Carol. It's like I'm the ghost of Christmas past haunting you with a podcast. If you haven't heard this one yet, you should. It's a lot of fun. Uh, And if you already have, this time around, make it an eggnog drinking game and take a swig every time that Dave barely laughs at a great joke of mine. I know I often tease him about it, but this might be his quintessential whisper laugh episode. It's like he's saying bah humbug to all my punchlines. In the history of this podcast, I think I've been the most disappointed in his lack of reaction to my ad-libbed Forrest Gump joke quote in this episode. And just so we're even, I can also make fun of myself on this one because, you know, every once in a while I will re-record a line or two of mine in post, like when I'm editing after a recording session with Dave, especially if I've like slurred a word or something. I'll redo it as I'm editing just to make things clearer. But in this episode, there are a couple of embarrassingly obvious moments where I sound completely different. So listen for those too, I guess. Just don't think less of me. Think less of Dave. And just a quick announcement before getting to the good part. Dave and I are off next week for New Year's, but we'll be back Monday, January 8th with a regular episode. And I shouldn't say regular because it'll be our annual best books of the year episode where we rank our favorite books, fiction and nonfiction, that we read in 2023. And it's not a small pool of books we've chosen from because between the two of us, we will have read 255 books this year. And here's a hint at who read more. Dave did because I only read 80 of those. All right, and without further ado, here is me and Dave in a digitally remastered version of The Book Pile, episode 114, A Christmas Carol. Today's book is a dark and delightful tale about greed, ghosts, and yelling out windows. The story of a man who never stops to smell the roses or to give them money. It's A Christmas Carol, or as I like to call it, The Original Nightmare Before Christmas. And this is The Book Pile. I'm Kellett Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and if I were raising a small boy who used a crutch to walk, I think the least I could do would be to not give him the nickname Tiny. (laughs) And I'm David Vance. I think any horror movie is better if you assume the ghosts are trying to get the humans to love Christmas. (laughs) All right, one last plea for an early Christmas present for us. Give us a five-star review. Or if you want to give us a four-star review, don't give us a review. So I loved this book. I'd never actually read it before, though I've seen several movie adaptations and they all scared me as a child. (laughs) I listened to the Tim Curry edition of it on Audible and he's fantastic. As you know, this story is a blend of Christmas and horror. And I've always said A Christmas Carol is a mix between Home Alone 2 and It. (laughs) 
<laughs> both of which starred Tim Curry, which is why he delivers that line so well when he's like, it'll float, Ebenezer. It'll float. <laughs> it all floats down here in Christmas. <laughs> All right, and without further ado, here are three lessons that we took from A Christmas Carol. Each of them is delivered from a different ghost. <laughs> All right, first up, The Ghost of Christmas, Dave. And I'm not going to commit to this. <laughs> All right, lesson one. Write about what makes you angry. As a kid, I remember being told that Charles Dickens really cared about the poor, I always thought Dickens was this rich guy with a good imagination, but he was angry about this stuff partly because it happened to him. Like, in this book, Scrooge wants to send poor people to prison. Dickens's dad was sent to this horrible debtor's prison called Marshalsea. People starved there. People were tortured. Ugh. Also, his books have a lot of child labor. He had to work in a factory when he was 12 years old. And then later he went uh, to school with this sadistic headmaster. Anyway, the stuff that makes you angry can be really great content. Kellen, I've heard you make content about people who don't put their shopping carts back. Can mm -hmm. you imagine how funny you'd be if you'd been to debtor's prison? <laughs> I also think it's funny that what it looks like to be in debt nowadays in America is that you just get another credit card so you can keep eating lunch at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's our debtor's prison. <laughs> All right. Lesson two. No one likes to see or hear themselves, but it's so valuable. So to me, the biggest proof that I'm not the only one who deals with self-loathing is the fact that selfie filters exist. <laughs> <laughs> that it seems like society constantly is like, uh, they're filters, but they just make me look how I actually do look. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know how your camera just makes up those photons? <laughs> The thing that's helped me improve at stand-up more than anything else wasn't a book or a TED Talk. It was taping myself and forcing myself to watch it. I brought this up before. I have a very concerned resting face. Someone once <laughs> called it sociopathic, which will hurt for the rest of my life. And I also talk slower than I think I do. So accepting those truths on stage, I now raise my eyebrows a bit more and I speak a bit faster. And all of that just makes it so that I don't give a hostile first impression. Like that's just uh, getting me back up to zero. Interesting. <laughs> I think that for my first couple of years of standup, everyone in the audience at first thought they were being robbed. <laughs> when I was reading this book, booklet really it's very short it's like a christmas pamphlet i tried uh -huh. to read it in the context of the time 1843 and it had to have seemed so novel at that time yeah so novella i should say uh <laughs> you know before video to give a character uh, an opportunity to watch themselves in third person you know, oh, yeah. it, thus enforce themselves to be honest with themselves. I think we take it for granted with our photo and video count on our phones in the tens of thousands. 
But up until very recently, like the rest of history, it would have seemed like magic to actually watch yourself, much less experience something like seeing your parents as children. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating that what Scrooge learns, it isn't so much from the ghosts lecturing him. It's just in there forcing him to see himself as everyone else sees him. Right. And I'm sure he was also like, I definitely need to raise my eyebrows more. (laughs) And several times, you know, he has that reaction that a lot of us do, where he's like, stop showing me that I don't want to see anymore. (laughs) The one more realistic thing would have been if he was like, is that how my voice really sounds? I do think the only significant difference between this story and his film adaptations is that his change of heart starts pretty early on, whereas the movies generally have him being stubborn up until he's threatened with death, which I get from a narrative standpoint. It is less exciting if the villain learns their lesson at the beginning of a movie. Like imagine 10 minutes into Return of the Jedi if Vader was like, you know what? You're right, Luke. But to me, it does make it a little less meaningful in the movies that his biggest motivating factor isn't so much watching himself mistreat people, but just seeing his lonely grave that then becomes the final straw. (laughs) Like, oh, oh, I'm so happy I'm not dead. (laughs) I'll give this family some figgy pudding. (laughs) Yeah, the the flip side in the book is that it seems almost cruel because he's on board after Ghost of Christmas Present and the ghosts are like, no, no, we're still going to show you dead, though, LOL. <laughs> and again, credit to Dickens. I've always wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> for creating, to me, what is a very realistic response in that, like, mm-hmm. ugh, do I really seem that way? I'm going to change immediately. It's interesting to see other stories that have been influenced by this situation, like Adam Sandler's Click, where he has a magic remote control that he gets from Christopher Walken. I'm guessing because Morgan Freeman was busy. (laughs) And it enables him to watch his own life pass as a grumpy businessman. On the other hand, there's my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life, which is really like an opposite Christmas Carol. Because Mm -hmm. it's about a really nice guy who gets to see what the world would have looked like if he wasn't there. Yeah, I'd love it if they took more classics and inverted them. Can you imagine opposite Les Miserables, where the pitch was, what if the people made the government's life a living hell so it finally took a stand? (laughs) But I guess Monty Python's Holy Grail is an opposite of Mice and Men, because it's about a bunny that kills people. (laughs) An opposite tale of two cities is a tale of half a city. That's a math joke. (laughs) Gump Forest. A genius is always in the most boring scenario he could be in. (laughs) Chocolates are like a box of death. (laughs) So a big takeaway for me from the story is more just a word of advice, especially if you're involved with public communication. Take advantage of the video camera you have on your phone. It's like your own personal ghost of Christmas past. Record yourself. Watch yourself. Learn from it. Get better. All right, lesson three. Have a thirsty narrator. So here's how this narrator normally talks. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, covetous old sinner. So most of the book, the narrator teaches you the meaning of Christmas, except the 1% of the book where he's lusting after women. (laughs) First, he's just describing this random girl and out of the blue— 
And yet I should have dearly liked to have touched her lips, to have looked upon the lashes of her downcast eyes and never raised a blush, to have let loose waves of hair, an inch of which would be a keepsake beyond price, in short, to have had the lightest license of a child and yet be man enough to know its value. <clears throat> so anyway, Scrooge said, <laughs> it's like, hey, buddy, seems like something's going on with you outside of the story. So maybe on your own time. <laughs> But I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, it wasn't clear how old this girl was. So maybe he's just being like fatherly. Mm -hmm. Then we meet another girl and he says, she was very pretty, exceedingly pretty, with a ripe mouth that seemed made to be kissed, as no doubt it was, and the sunniest <laughs> pair of eyes you ever saw. Altogether, she was what you would have called provoking, you know, but satisfactory too. Oh, perfectly satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening with this narrator? <laughs> yeah. Yet it's never quite clear who he is, yeah. other than in these moments where he breaks this sort of pervy fourth wall. Uh -huh. like, At this point, you know the producer took the narrator aside and was like, hey, we're getting complaints. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what, so I can't act anymore? <laughs> yeah, maybe just, maybe just avoid phrases like, oh, very satisfactory. <laughs> The result is Google now has me on file as someone who has searched Christmas Carol horny narrator. <laughs> and to be clear, Dave and I both loved this book as yeah. we both <laughs> enjoyed Mistborn, which apparently some of our listeners took away that we hated that book because we did spend 8% of the time making fun of it. And to clarify your clarification, I was half and half on Mistborn just because the beginning was very slow for me. But I do also think people think we dislike books just because it's a comedy podcast. And so our instinct is to find the joke. <laughs> All right. Random facts. I asked that new AI, OpenAI, for funny observations about A Christmas Carol. And here are the best ones. It's a good thing the ghost of Christmas past doesn't have Instagram, or else Scrooge's embarrassing childhood moments would be all over the internet. <laughs> I give that, like, a solid five. Like, I, I would have written that joke and then crossed it out. Next. You have to wonder what the other ghosts think of the ghost of Christmas present's loud, boisterous personality. <laughs> this is your friend who thinks a mean observation counts as a joke. <laughs> Last one. Scrooge's sudden change of heart at the end of the story is so extreme, it's like he's been hit by a ghost of Christmas transformation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is like that. <laughs> so for me, halfway through the book, when they float over to the Cratchits, the ghost of Christmas present was actually the ghost of Christmas past to all of those animals on the dinner table. If you want to know why English is hard to learn, consider that Ebenezer has four E's and they all make a different sound. <laughs> so this is something that I never saw in any of the movies. At one point, the ghost of Marley reveals to Scrooge that he's been watching him live his life for a while. And if I were Scrooge, I would have been like, so like, all the time... <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, I, I do want to ask you how many photos and videos are currently on in your phone's photo album? 
thousands, I think. I want to know the exact number. I want to see which one oh, of us w- wins and thus loses. <laughs> <laughs> it's for sure you because you have kids. And if it's not you, how sad. <laughs> um, 7,327. Okay. I guess I am older than you, too. 26,193. Wow. I know that my photo count, there's no way that that's crazy because I don't consider myself a big picture taker. I think I've mentioned before that every time I travel, my wife packs my stuff. And it's not because I'm a 1950s husband who expects that sort of thing, but it's because she's very good at Tetris. (laughs) Like with spatial things. She's so good at the dishes. She's so good at fitting the ingredients into the food. (laughs) She's great at fitting the vacuum all over the carpet. (laughs) So she packs it. And then I take pictures of the layers as she's packing it so that I can repack it for the trip back. So probably a third of the photos on my phone uh, it's just clothes. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> no, it's probably 1%, but it is a lot. Okay. I don't know why you're defending this when you have three kids. It's not like you'll get to the end of your life like, ah, too many memories. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a bit that I'm trying to write, but it just sounds too preachy right now. But it's like, what's also scary to me is this mindset that I never want to have that pops in every once in a while where I see something beautiful and I'm like, oh, I need to take a picture. It's a habit that I don't want. It's like you treat the world as if it's constantly auditioning to be on Instagram. (laughs) That is great wording. (laughs) To me, it's just a horrible way of like taking yourself out of the present. And it's like, oh, good. This will do. (laughs) So the CGI Robert Zemeckis Christmas Carol movie is one of only two movies that I've ever walked out on in the theater. It was just so incredibly one-dimensional. I just found it very dull. The other one was when I was 15. My family went to see the re-release of Star Wars in the theater. And when the movie started, it had this establishing shot of like a rocky shoreline. And we were like... Okay. <laughs> Is this like one of the new scenes they've been teasing? Then the opening credits start to roll and it says Harrison Ford. And we're like, okay, then Brad Pitt. And it was the devil's own. We were in the wrong theater. <laughs> Is it bad that I walk out of a lot of movies? Yeah. I'm not like walking out in the first eight minutes. It's usually like, all right, we're 40 minutes in and this is not fun. Okay. (laughs) And it's a Scorsese, so it still has five more hours to go. (laughs) No, the the last two I walked out of were Spider-Man 3 and Black Panther 2. (laughs) Wait, are you talking about Spider-Man 3 or the newest Spider-Man? The newest one. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man. I thought it was very exciting. I don't even think I've seen the Tobey Maguire one. Okay, so then it wouldn't have meant anything to you. Oh, no, it meant nothing to me. Yeah, well, that's... (laughs) I didn't didn't know. It's like taking a class and you didn't know there was a prereq. No one told me. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It essentially becomes just a series of massive callbacks. So, yeah, if you don't have the context, you don't understand why everyone is cheering around you. (laughs) In the same way college courses tell you the prereqs, movies with tie-ins should tell you which movies you have to have seen. (laughs) So here are a few of my favorite quotes from the book uh, describing 
Ebenezer Scrooge. The darkness was cheap and Scrooge liked it. Speaking of how frugal Scrooge was, yeah. even in his own home, I grew up in a house where the thermostat never seemed to be above 46 degrees, so I get it. <laughs> then another part, when Scrooge is begrudgingly giving Cratchit the day off, Cratchit says, it's one vacation day a year. And Scrooge is like, a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. <laughs> Again, it's such like a political debate move to convert yeah. one day a year and make it sound like it happens all the time. <laughs> also, he's going to love finding out about maternity leave. <laughs> and then finally, and this one is so dark. If anything, Scrooge's personality is even darker in the book than I have seen in any film adaptation. Because at mm. one point he says, quote, If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. It's like, whoa, man. He's for sure thought about that. Like, that doesn't come to you off the cuff. <laughs> Would have been funny if Cratchit was like, okay, man, I get it. You're a happy holidays sort of person. <laughs> All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from A Christmas Carol. One, write about what makes you angry. Two, no one likes to see or hear themselves, but it's so valuable. Three, have a thirsty narrator. And four, this is my impression of Dave at the movies. Spider-Man, humbug. Humbug. <laughs>